Well, hello and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Candace Campos, along with our producer extraordinaire, Thomas Mate. Hello, everyone. And a lot can happen in 10 years. Our guest today went from running a successful branding agency to starting a restaurant with three friends and, well, their future wives. Now the four of them run a blossoming chain restaurant, Empire, with a nearly thousand employees. They're getting ready to open up their 12th location, by the way. And it all started right here in Orlando, in the Orlando Mills 50 neighborhood. And we are joined today by Caleb Harrell, CEO of Hawker's Asian Street Fair. Good morning. Good, Good morning, afternoon. afternoon. Good Whatever time. Yeah. This is a podcast, right? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny because when we first started talking to you right before we started recording, you said, I hate when people say that we're a chain restaurant. Yes. But I wanted to specifically say that because you guys are yeah. growing like a chain restaurant, but <laughs> you're not. So give us an idea of what Hawkers is all about. Well, and let me let me quantify that a little bit. So multi-unit. Ooh, I like okay. that one. Right. Okay. Because it's, it, we are we have more that right. We're a multi-unit restaurant. I think chain just has this uh, stigma behind it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the word, like we like to use the term structured instead of corporate, right? Ooh, okay. we, we have a we have, we have have a corporate team, right? We are structured, we are organized, but it's there's a stigma around corporate chain, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we, we, we try to, we're pretty big on nomenclature. I think that's yeah. a big part of culture. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of kind of how you get people to understand hey, we actually are trying to do things a little differently than the rest of the industry, and that's just one little part of it. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not too snooty about the chain comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, we're talking about 10 years mm-hmm. that you've gone from point A to point B. I mean, and it's been a significant you know, growth. So kind of give us a background of how you guys all started. Oh my gosh. How long is this podcast? Yeah. Eat, About 20 minutes. So make four, it snappy. Four beers in five hours and then you get the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe eight beers. Anyway. Um, well, it was really, I mean, the, the long story short is it truly is like a story of four guys that were buddies before this. We will be buddies after this. We're buddies now, which uh, if you can make it through building a business together, you can make it through anything. True. These guys are truly family to me. Um, and so the four of us uh, had had very little. In fact, we had zero um, corporate mm-hmm. uh, restaurant experience. Quote, unquote, Quote, if you were watching. No, yeah, that's right. I forgot <laughs> it for the... Um, anyway, so we had no uh, no corporate experience, but we did have some mom and pop restaurant experience uh, in our families. All of our mm-hmm. families had mom and pop restaurants somewhere. For a lot of uh, my co-founder, uh, my buddies, it was their parents. For me, it was my grandparents. Um, so we had kind of all... We knew all the wrong things to do <laughs> in the restaurant business. And I mean that with all uh, due respect, because man, after opening a restaurant and running it in a, in a kind of I'll call mom and pop format, where we were literally cooking every meal, cooking every dish, open to close. I mean, the days were basically, you come in at nine or eight, you start prepping, you prep, 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 you run the lunch shift, you prep, prep, prep for dinner, you prep, the, you, you run the dinner shift, you, uh, you clean the restaurant because you can't afford a cleaning crew because you're not course. making any money. Right, mom yeah. and pop. Right? And then, oh, by the way, you, there's there's got to be some moments where you're working on the business and not in the business. So mm-hmm. from you know midnight to however long we could last, 3 a.m., we're up like making no documentation mm-hmm. and talking about, oh, you know what? Maybe if we move the skewers, uh, if, they, if, we move, if we swap the grill and the fry, maybe that would increase efficiency. Oh, we need to add peanuts to the pad thai or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, they were literally 18, 20 hour days, nonstop, every single day. I mean, that right? sounds like a hamster wheel. Like, Open and close, seven days a week. Yeah. The line of people never stops. So, I get why mom and pop restaurants usually close one day a week because it's all they have. It's like, if I don't close, I 
have nothing, right? Rip right. your hair so, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For people who don't know, who who are the other founders of yeah. Hawkers? Obviously, they're not here with us. So. They're not. They're here in spirit. Yes. So, always. always. Yeah, they always follow me on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, so Wayne Young, uh, Wayne and I grew up together since we were, oh man, thirteen years old. His family, I mean, literally, like his mom. I call his mom mom. Like it's like that level of relationship. Um, so fraternity brothers, best man at each other's weddings. Gotten in fist fights because boys are idiots, boys right? Boys, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's uh, one of the guys, and then Alan Lowe, who uh, again, Alan and Ken. At this point, we're all we've all just become really dear friends. But obviously, I, I met Alan and Ken a little bit later. So Alan Lowe is the second one. He is also our brand chef. So he's the. I would say we all have a part in the food, but Alan is really the main uh, driver behind our menu, and he's mm -hmm. kind of the final like say so on at least the menu portion of what we do. Um, and then Ken Ho, and Ken is uh, Ken is just known for, and he would I would say this if he was right here, literally, mm -hmm. he's the uh, he's the guy that uh, he was always the guy in the kitchen. He didn't he was not real excited about being in front of guests. He's right. not mm -hmm. he's a very introverted guy, mm -hmm. and he doesn't say a ton, but when he says it, it's very meaningful. And so we, we appreciate that about Ken. He's he's just a, a workhorse and an awesome guy. Um, so yeah, three of literally my best friends, um, and I'm I'm really proud to say that. Yeah, and and one thing I. I don't take this the wrong way. Uh, you're sort of the token white guy of the group. <laughs> Glad you said yeah. that. <laughs> but you know, obviously, you're here. You're, you're representing Asian Street Fair, which is yeah. you know very diverse. You know, depending on where you are, not just like throughout Asia, but in a specific country, there's different you know cuisines and things like that. So, how does that feel for you, being you know among all this 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 culture that's foreign to you, for lack of a better term? I'm offended, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, clearly that is the case. Um, yes. <laughs> well, it's so for me, it doesn't honestly, it doesn't feel that way, and it's because mm. I grew up with, I grew up around this culture. Mm. I didn't know from when I was 13 to, to, I mean, till now, but you know, especially 13 to 17, kind of in middle school, high school with Wayne and his family, mm. growing up with that family. I didn't realize at the time how how impactful that was on learning and immersing into a completely different culture than my own mm -hmm. at such a young age because mm -hmm. it really became like a norm to me. Like yeah. it's like I mean I go you know I I speak like some very I mean it's bad it's terrible but right but I can yeah. like choppy like some some Cantonese mm -hmm. and you uh, can survive when I go to the Vietnamese <laughs> restaurant right and I order they're always like oh your Vietnamese is very good I'm like well I've been ordering this for 35 years so I know it's good <laughs> so um, anyways for me it's a little it's a little different but I will say when we opened talkers um, and we've talked the guys and I have talked a lot about the kind of the the feelings that we get, the experience we're trying to create. And what was interesting, that, that was one of the first times where I saw a, a little different perspective. And it was that for the other guys, what they get out of Hawkers is a feeling of nostalgia. What mm -hmm. they get is a feeling of, this is my home. This is what I grew up. Literally, my mom made this food for me when I was five years old. That's yeah. comfort. Comfort food, yeah. right. Yeah. For me, what I get is a sense of travel. And mm -hmm. I get a sense of kind of adventure. And mm -hmm. that was what I got when I would go to Wayne's house. And I loved it. Like, I've, right. I've loved adventure and travel all since I was a kid. And um, every time I would go, his mom had something new and whether it was like chicken feet or 
like uh, so I don't know, just some of the craziest stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, this is awesome, let's mm-hmm. try it. And she used to jokingly say, I think it was a joke, that, uh, <laughs> that I'm more Chinese than Wayne is because Wayne was like, well, I want my, I want like chicken tenders and spaghetti. Yeah. And I'm like, give me the chicken feet, give me the slimy yeah. chicken, give me, right? So, yeah, so you were, you were like the adopted son for sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so you guys are sitting around drinking some beers and you say, hey, let's open up a, a restaurant. I mean, how, how did how did it all come come to fruition? Yeah, so really, uh, so yeah, I, 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 we did diverted somewhere but basically mm, that's okay. uh, it's a podcast we can do that can yeah. we do that can, sure. we start, can we talk about cheetos or something weird yeah oh okay. later later <laughs> all right cool need to. <laughs> so basically the four of us met serendipitously it's a that's another whole podcast on how we met it's okay. a really yeah. really funny story but um anyway so alan and ken were friends prior to to the four of us getting together and wayne and i were friends right and so we all met and we immediately hit it off. We're like, man, these, these guys are cool. Yeah, these guys are cool. And this was kind of right after, it was right after college. Actually, I guess it was in college, but right after college is when we really started hanging out a lot and spending mm-hmm. time together. And it was that time period where uh, we were making just a little bit of money, right? More than college money. Right. And we didn't have any responsibilities. We didn't have any families to spend it on. So it was just like, you were, we were spending it as fast as we could make it. And we all spent we all spent that disposable income on on travel and on experiences, and the travel always revolved around food. Right. And um, I I think uh, it's I think it's a little uh, it's a little self righteous to to dub to dub yourself a foodie, but I would say uh, you know and I don't even love that term, but I think that just for the sake of of, of this description, mm-hmm. I would say that we were probably foodies before that was the term, right? Yeah, before yeah, yeah. yeah. You're saying you don't like that term, but you're going to be in a camera shot with that word. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. The whole time. Self-proclaimed foodie. Here, yeah. I, here I go. But, you know, it's kind of like it can be overused and things like that, mm-hmm. but I think that there is a place for it, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we... Um, so yeah, we were we would travel all the time. Every time we would travel, the, the the focal point of travel would be around the food, and it was like basically let's plan out our meals, and then we'll try to do some sightseeing in between meals. Love it! I'm going traveling with you guys next time. <laughs> and usually it would look something like if we went to um, I don't know if we went to New York or a better example would be if we went to like Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Like we went to KL. We would get off the plane, we would go see either a relative or we would go to a bar that we felt like we'd find somebody that spoke English. And we would ask them, hey, we want to find curry laksa. Where's the best curry laksa mm-hmm. in Kale? And they would say, oh, you got to go over to this food hall, blah, blah, blah. You got to go to this hawker center. And um, we would go there, we would try it. Oh my gosh, this is great. And then that afternoon, we go to another bar or another relative and we get more advice. Hey, we tried this place. Where else should we go to gotcha. find curry laksa? Mm-hmm. And, and the, especially in Asia and especially on those trips, the, uh, the food culture is just so, there's so much pride around food culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the closest thing I can relate it to in the States would be like barbecue for us, right? And so okay. it's kind of like, and we, maybe in Florida, that's a, not quite as opinionated yeah. like if you go to like North Carolina or Memphis or St. Louis there's a difference there's only one type of barbecue mm-hmm. and if you say differently you're gonna get kicked out of the restaurant right, right? <laughs> and that's kind of how it was like it's like no this is where the best curry locks is and don't tell me differently um, and so we would we go on these travels we'd have this incredible food these amazing flavors and then we would come back to Orlando and um, uh, uh. a little bit you know, a little. <laughs> this is 10 years ago it's 10 years ago yeah, yeah. and there were some folks doing things really well at the time. I don't want to take it away from like um, the Petrakis, you know, like there's like 
there was folks that were all Norman Van Aken, like folks that were really doing good stuff, but mm -hmm. they were harder to find back then. Right. Right. And, and, uh, and so specifically I would say on the Asian front, there was, there was not a ton. There was a few mm -hmm. things that were really good, but not a ton. Um, and so we would talk about like, man, why, why isn't somebody taking all these authentic, amazing flavors from that are truly authentic to Asia and introducing it to kind of the average American palate? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we saw an opportunity there and thought about, talked about opening a restaurant. And, um, I always thought it was just kind of a joke, like, oh yeah, we should do that one day. Ah, okay. I'll see you. I'm gonna go to my marketing job right. at mm -hmm. my desk yeah. and in the air conditioning. And, um, <laughs> and one day, uh, in 2010, Alan called me and, uh, he said, Hey, and this is, remember this is just climbing out of the great recession. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So he called me up and he says, um, Hey, I drove by this spot on Mills. Um, we happen to have a connection to the owner of the building and the business. I think we can get into it relatively inexpensively. They're not doing so well, they're kind of getting, trying to get out. And what would you think about starting the restaurant? And, um, Holy crap. I said, <laughs> absolutely not. No way. <laughs> what are you crazy? <laughs> I don't want to start a restaurant. No way, man. Mm -hmm. I, you work seven days a week, 18 hours a day. There's a line around the building, right? Five, uh, 5% of restaurants make it essentially. It's one mm -hmm. out of 10 make it the first year, and then wow. one out of 10 of those make it the second year. Well, so that's a five, a, those are, those five, aren't good chances. Horrible odds. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, no thanks, man. Um, I have restaurants as clients. I'm, I'm good, but best of luck, and you're crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks later, he called me. And he said, hey, man, uh, I got I got Wayne and Ken here. I was like, oh, hey, guys. And he was ah. like, yeah. And the FOMO started setting in. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're like, hey, listen. And I can remember Alan saying, like, look, man, uh, you're my boy. So you're going to be helping us out anyways for free. You might as well just like. <laughs> oh, peer pressure. Throw in a I little, like yeah, this. Throw in a little sweat equity. You'll never have to lift a finger. This is more air quotes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll never have to lift a finger. And of course, the next thing I knew, I was uh, learning to cook on the walk and run, <laughs> running the line, and it was it was awesome. I, I would never, I wouldn't trade those early days for anything. That was honestly the most fun was the very beginning. Yeah, and I read on your, your company website that you guys also had your your girlfriends at the time, now your wives, yeah, working the front wow, of the house. Wow, they stuck around. How I did know, you right? calm them into that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know why they stuck around. I I can remember. I won't name names, but uh, there was a few ultimatums thrown out there at some points. I believe <laughs> during it. The early I believe it. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was very, a big, heavy lift, but we all did it. We were all stronger through it. And, uh, I mean, I remember when we first, the, the day before we opened, we literally didn't have enough money to buy chairs to fill the restaurant. I mean, we started this thing on oh my gosh. like nothing guys. It was mm -hmm. nothing. I sold my truck to contribute my part of the, the, the business yeah so you, that tells you sweat i'm so nervous <laughs> i know right yeah and we're like all right let's go to ikea let's buy as many chairs as we can and we're we're cranking the chairs down and you know, putting them together Put them together because it's ikea as customers are coming in the door like oh hey welcome Here you welcome <laughs> and, uh, build your own chair <laughs> <laughs> grab an out wrench yeah. Yeah. yeah couldn't afford a sign on the building so we put a um we put a banner up because banners were a lot cheaper and nobody told us that you had to have a, uh, a permit Perm. for a banner oh. for any kind of signage. So that was fun to deal with like three <laughs> years later. Um, shout out to city of Orlando. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was crazy. It was hectic. It was brutal. Uh, but it was, I mean, it's the best time I never want to have again. Right. I get, I get that. I get yeah. that. Okay. So we were clicking the fast forward button. Mm -hmm. We're now 10 years down the road. You guys are a little older 
and you guys are bigger, not physically, I'm just saying like, the business is bigger. So we're talking about 12 different locations outside of Florida. You started with one mills and now, I mean, what, what has that growth been like? Oh man, it's so hard to even sum that up. It's just, I think just learning is the mm-hmm. word that comes to mind. It's just been constant evolution and constant learning. And it's been, it, it, there was never a light switch moment of like, hey, we got it. That never happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very, and still, and and I would say, you know, there's, I would argue that there's a lot left to learn too. Of course, right? yeah. But it was a very much a, a, I think it's, I think you have, anytime you start a business and especially a business as difficult as a restaurant business, you mm-hmm. have to love the journey. And that's something I found pretty early on. I think the other guys would say the same. I know they would, um, is that we, we love the journey. And if you don't love the journey, it's too hard. You're not going to, you're not going to stick with it. There's it's a lot of work. Yeah. If that, it's, if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, frankly, you could have made a, like the first six years doing this, I could have made a lot more money, a lot easier doing something mm-hmm. different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved what I did, what I did every day. And I continue to love it even as my role changes and it has changed. I mean, you know, drastically, I went from the, the fry cook to the CEO, it's a pretty different day to day roles. <laughs> um, but back um, in the air conditioned office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is true. That's, um, but yeah, I, I would just say just lots of experience along the way, lots of trial and error, lots of, uh, good mentor- mentorship and some folks that have spoken some truth that really landed well. And then also some things that we thought to be true that we learned, you know, we want to do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's been kind of our, we have a mantra, be disruptive, always care, never compromise. Oh, I like that. And so that kind of encapsulates really what Hawkers is about. It's about, we want to disrupt the industry. We want to really, we want to ask the hard questions like, are employees being treated fairly in the restaurant industry? What does true hospitality look like? Um, how can you make money, but still, uh, but still create a place that people want to work at? Like mm-hmm. all those, those are the things we, I mean, and we're very transparent about that with our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then always care, pretty obvious, right? This is, we are in the hospitality industry, so it's about, uh, it's about caring, but it's also, again, that speaks to our team too. It's about, you know, caring as the, caring about them as individuals, but also holding them to this super high level of accountability. And then the never compromise is just, we're just never going to settle for, um, anything less than perfect. So it's a, it's an infinite game. You mm-hmm. have to love the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the answers to those questions? You know, insofar as these are the questions you're going to ask, have, what's the, at least what's the hawker's answer? Um, as far as employee, yeah, and, uh, you know, t- yeah. taking care of your employees yeah, and things like that. Obviously yeah. right it's now, been rough. yeah, it's been rough yeah. Hospitality. throughout the pandemic. And then there's all these worker shortages and people are ascribing a lot of different meanings to as to why this is happening. So where are you guys as that stands? Um, I mean, I think that there, uh, I think that there was, and maybe continues to be an epidemic in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. of, um, I don't know if it's necessarily just underpaid. I don't, I think that there, I mean, I'm sure that's a component of it, mm-hmm. but I think just an underappreciation many mm-hmm. times. Uh, I think that, and I, and I don't think that that was just solely driven by the employers. I think that any of these questions that we ask just like, and I believe this about politics and about economics, mm-hmm. right? If there was a silver bullet answer, we'd, we'd all be doing it. We'd all be on, right. on board. These are very complicated questions that require very complicated, thoughtful, um, solutions or yeah. at least potential solutions. But I mean, I think, um, in general, you know, I think that it's historically been a transient workforce. You know, historically, the the majority of the workforce has not been 
career oriented. It's been more of a, hey, let me take this job and then I'll go on to the next thing later. Mm -hmm. And that has driven to maybe some underappreciation from the employers. I think what we're trying to do is create a place where people can really build a career and understand that, hey, this can be a very lucrative career. I mean, we're our manager, many of our managers are in are, are making six figures. That's not uncommon at all. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's probably for a lot of successful restaurant companies, um, at least, you know, the ones that that we associate with. Um, yeah. But I, the, I, to me, it really boils down to it's less about dollars and cents. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that we institute a $15 minimum wage and that was a big deal for our company. And I would love to say that that's the silver bullet. But I think that is just one criteria, one factor that's kind of encapsulated under this umbrella of be an employer of choice, be a place where people want to go to work every day. And I, and I still do orientations for every new manager that comes on board. And one of the things at the end of the, at the, end of the orientation, there, there'll be anywhere from like three to 10 managers. And I'll point blank, I'll put 10 telltale signs that you have the hospitality gene and I'll put it on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I want you to read these 10 signs that you have the hospitality gene, which are mm -hmm. things like, I love helping people, I love serving people, I love smiling, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, now, each one of you, I want you to answer, like, do, the, do mo all or most of these relate to you? Can you relate to these things? And if not, maybe you're in the wrong industry. Mm -hmm. And let's figure that out now, and that's okay, right? right. Because if you wanna be an engineer, let us help you, let's, let us promote you to guest and, and help you be an engineer, right? Mm -hmm. We're happy to do that. But if, you, if this is the place for you, if you do love hospitality, then let's dive in together and, and try to get you, you know, to the best place possible. Yeah, that was something similar that uh, Mike Kalantas from uh, Taglish Collective talked to us about. He said the same thing, where it's just like, not only, you know, obviously said appreciating them and, and compensating your employees fairly, but recognizing where they have, you know, uh, aspirations and diverting them towards those. If they mm -hmm. th think they would work better in HR, put them towards HR and things like that. Yeah. If they're already, you know, working line cook or something to that effect. And I think yeah. your answer, honestly, I, that's the reason why you guys have been so successful. I mean, if you mm -hmm. think about it, I mean, you're going from the 10 years, opening up almost what seems like a restaurant a year. I mean, that is, you have to have that type of, that, that, that feeling of people wanting to work, work for mm -hmm. you. So that, that certainly says a lot about the management too, which is, which is great. Hawkers, what is it about? Well, what does Hawkers mean? What, what is Asian street fair? Uh, well, literally, Hawkers is uh, is a street vendor in Asia, right? So you go to Asia, the best food, as I said, is on these hawker stall in these hawker stalls. You go there. If the three of us went, it's sort of like a almost like a food court type setup. Um, if the three of us went, we would each go to a different stall. Each one of the stalls specializes in one or two specific dishes. They go and get their local indigenous ingredients every morning, bring it back and create those dishes. Oh, wow. And, uh, and we would all get, go to a few stalls, grab two or three dishes apiece, bring it back to a communal table. And then again, this food-centric culture, we would eat the food, share the food, talk about the food. Hey, this is great. Hey, that was terrible. All right, let's go to the next hawker center. Right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's funny, when you were saying before, you are talking about your, the curry laksa specifically, that's my wife's favorite thing to get at Hawker's when we go there every single time, like clockwork. Yeah. She'll still like look at the menu and be like, eh, maybe Pretend to this. love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like giving the curl Her off, heart so. goes to that. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite dish. I love yeah. it. And we just uh, we just ended up subbing the, the, the noodle out for a ramen noodle now. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's 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 like a curry laksa ramen, but it's just a, a little bit different texture noodle. Oh man, it's if you haven't had it in like the last few months, it's even better. It's delicious. Well, I'll have to go back then. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone doesn't know all about Hawker's yeah. yet, 
what's that feeling like when you walk in? What's the ambiance? What's that feel that you that you want your customers to have? Yeah. So again, uh, just as every other part of our of our business of our restaurant has evolved, the the experience and the vibe is what we call it mm-hmm. has also evolved tremendously. So there's no poster board. Uh, there's what? There's no banner. Oh. banner. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right. No banner. No IKEA furniture. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah, correct. No, all the IKEA furniture broke like three months in. To yeah. Be clear. Makes sense. <laughs> Sound <laughs> investment. Yeah. The not for commercial use on the side of the box, that's a real, mm-hmm. a real thing. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, so as it evolved, I mean, and I'm, get, I'm coming to a very fun answer for you, but okay. the, the new hawkers, uh, the ones that are opening in Dallas and Charlotte and Nashville and DC and whatever, um, it's really transporting our guests to the streets of Asia. And so we have neons on the wall. We have, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a dimly lit um, restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's uh, bar centric, bar, the bar is always in the middle of the restaurant. So it's high energy, it's loud. We use uh, a lot of posters, which kind of emulate the um, almost like the propaganda posters or the ads that you would see wheat pasted across the streets of Asia. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've really done our best to, to make people feel that they have literally been transported to the streets of Asia. Um, backing that up, uh, Mills Avenue, right, the very first one, mm-hmm. doesn't quite feel that way. It feels mm-hmm. a little bit like four guys that didn't, didn't have any money. That, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> right, that, that literally did it with our bare hands. Um, but excitingly, we're going to get a, a million dollar renovation at Mills. In, no way. At the end of this year. Yeah, so we're very excited about That's it. That's huge. Wow. Yeah, yeah like what's, awesome. So, okay, so. Right, that, that was news to us. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, so I've, I've been to the Mills location. It's So when you walk in, there's that small bar right to the left and then there's kind of like a little narrow passage to the dining room and then it empties out into the the patio area mm-hmm. what's and the kitchen somewhere back behind like the bar and stuff yeah. like that yeah. how's all that going to change oh i'm not i'm not divulging that you guys gotta wait you gotta oh. you gotta wait for the big reveal yeah come on <laughs> you have to come back to florida foodie or invite yes. us yeah oh yeah, all right. yeah. do well, the show over there and we'll, we'll do it <laughs> yes it'd be awesome That'd be awesome. All right. Well, where, where, okay. So when's the construction going to start? Can you at least reveal that? I honestly don't have a date yet, but it will be, I, we will at least be in construction at the end of this year. So it's, it's coming, it's coming quickly. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a, I'm assuming you guys are going to close for a little bit. We'll have to close. A little yeah. Bit mm-hmm. It shouldn't be as bad as you think, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll definitely have to close for a few weeks probably. Um, but it's something that quite honestly, we wanted to do last year. Mm. Right and things. What happened last year? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. I don't know if you heard about it, but there was... <laughs> um, but anyways, we we pushed it about a year, and um, and we're just really excited to be able to give back to Orlando what they deserve, which is the the like the ultimate. It really will be. It will be a flagship location. It's going to be the it ultimate is. hawkers location, and that's what uh, that's what our our Mills fans deserve. I mean, we have we have just been. I, I still am floored. I'm and humbled by um, people that just love our restaurant and come in and compliment us, and it's like, man, we're we're just serving food. Like mm-hmm. we're just we're just making good food that we like, and it's so cool that other people like it too. Because that's really, truly how it started. It was like, hey, I love this dish. Do you want to put it on the menu? Yeah, I love it too. Let's put it on the menu and see if anybody else likes it. And most of it stuck. Um, yeah. Stinky tofu didn't make the cut, but most of the other stuff. Stinky stuck. tofu? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> most of the other stuff sucks. Stuck. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. well, and I was I always ask the, you know, I always ask at the end of the podcast. I said, mm-hmm. "What's your favorite dish?" But you already told us. 
Curry laksa. Curry laksa. Yeah, yeah. If be. you had a number two, though. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't see chicken feet on the menu, so not that. I was going to ask about chicken feet. Gosh, that's tough. Uh, can I can I give you like two through four? Okay, sure. All right. So I would get here. I'll give you this. this I'm going to write this meal. down so that way I can, when I go. <laughs> this, this would be weekend. my meal. This is my check. Like if you looked at what my guest check is, mm-hmm. it would be... Uh, it would be an order of the Korean fried chicken bowls. Uh-huh. It would be. <laughs> it would I be an it. order of beef skewers with our house made kimchi. It would be a curry laksa, mm-hmm. and it would be pan seared uh, dumplings. Oh, that would be my. That's a good batch. And I would not be able to finish all of it, but I'd try my best. So, is, would you say that's the best way to to go in? Is is that sharing feel? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Over ordering is by far the best. <laughs> but yeah, no sharing, and absolutely, it's it's how this food is meant to be eaten is is shared, and it's a, I think it's just a it's just a fun thing when you have when you can go in and order multiple dishes to be able to uh, to to share the food and again to talk about it and like oh I love that hey hand me that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things we get out of that. One is it's a time for us to be able to put down our, our phones, right? right? I mean, that's kind of a, we look at, at dining as the last frontier of human connection. This is like the last place, right, is the dinner table where mm-hmm. we can actually not stare at this and that's have depressing. a conversation. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. It is true. Sorry um, to all the people who are listening to this on their phones. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Just don't be listening during dinner. That's all exactly. we ask. Just pause, have yeah. dinner. Uh, the other thing that's cool is that uh, scientifically, it's it, you could you could argue, right, that it's a better dining experience to have small plates than it is to have an entree. And here's the reason. I totally agree. Here's the reason. Always. There you go. You can you yes. can take this to the bank and cash it. Every time your your palate is introduced to a new flavor, endorphins are released. So you can imagine when you're going through that steak, right? The mm-hmm. first two bites are amazing. By the end of it, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of just done with this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just going through but when you go to small plates, tapas or hawkers or whatever, and you're trying multiple things, you're constantly, right? Those endorphins are constantly getting Ooh. released and you're like, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. So you're basically oh, saying that like eating small plates is like working out. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more or less, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's scientific. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> this man's a Scientologist. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so where can people find you? Obviously, Mills. Um, yeah. What's your social? Yeah, uh, uh-huh. eathawkers.com, uh, at eathawkers on Instagram. And then we've got uh, our Mills location across from Track Shack. Shout out to Track Shack. Woo! Yeah. Uh, that's been our icon for mapping for the last 10 Everybody years. Everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows it. Um, and then we have one in Windermere as well, which is over on Conroy Windermere Road at the corner. Um, I think that's, I think I covered it. Is that yeah. everywhere? Yeah. And then 12 other locations. I mean, oh, yeah. Other and locations. if you're traveling, look for them. Every location has a very unique build out. They're not, they're not cookie cutter at all. So oh, nice. it's, it's fun to go and kind of see the different locations and see how we've evolved the concept and, I, I won't spoil it, but there's, there's really fun little Easter eggs in every location that we, uh, we put in from a design standpoint. Can't wait for the renovation, though. That's going to be awesome. Fun. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, for talking with us, and of course, give, give all the best to all the buds, too. I will. Thank you, Absolutely. guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Keep the hair going. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have the shortest hair here. <laughs> thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Caleb Harrell, CEO of Hawker's Asian Street Fair. You can find Hawker's online at eathawkers.com. You can also search Eat Hawker's on Facebook and Instagram. You can find Candace Campos on social media. She's on Twitter. Just search at CandaceNews6. And on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6 
Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available to download wherever you get your podcasts. Please take the time to rate and review us. You can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash podcasts. And to keep up to date with all the latest foodie news, head to clickorlando.com slash Florida Foodie.